Well, we don't really even need to mention it, but uh, my, my Cougs won yesterday. Sorry if you're a Husky fan. One thing we can agree on is the Ducks lost, so uh, no booze. All right, no, no Ducks fans. Um, there's a few, I guess. Uh, sorry, we'll leave sports out of this. It's too divisive. Um, I'm glad that you're here today. Uh, we're going to continue our series, Rethink Happiness. Um, and uh, I've loved walking through these Beatitudes. I've loved uh, being able to just study some of these a little bit deeper to challenge us. Um, Pastor Rob's going to be back next week to bring Beatitude number three. Um, I'm not going to jump into the Beatitudes today. I'm going to be uh, do, bringing a message that is really part of the overall scope of this fall series called uh, 60 Days of Spiritual Growth. So if you have your book, um, the, uh, the next uh, Beatitude will be covered next week. My notes aren't in that book. Maybe you use the front cover or the back cover or take your notes somewhere else. But uh, we're going to uh, talk about um, ways that we can grow spiritually. And I have absolutely loved seeing how many people have grabbed that book and have really begun, be, be, began to uh, just dig in to the Beatitudes, taking notes, um, going to classes, having discussions. Um, I just, I sense that there's a real hunger at, in BCA for spiritual growth. We need it. Amen. And I want to appreciate, I want you to know that I appreciate each and every one of you for, uh, for tuning in either online or here and, and watching it. We're going to talk about... Um, some basic principles of spiritual growth. And, and when I say basic, this is kind of the, the really, really basic stuff, but stuff we need to be reminded of. And we're going to talk about habits. Uh, we're going to talk about spiritual keystone habits that we need to get into. Well, I have a message today and then a couple in November, and I'm just going to talk about seven different habits that we can bring in to our lives to help us grow. A habit is this. Here's a definition. Um, I think we all know what a habit is, but this definition just caught me. It's a routine or practice performed regularly. An automatic response to a situation. That, that's the part that I underlined when I read that. Our automatic response to a situation. Uh, other, other ways we can call this is, uh, you know, not only a habit, but a, a system or a routine. How many of you are routine people? Everybody raise your hand because we all have a routine. Uh, I am a man of routine. So much so that if you throw me off of my routine, it wrecks my day. Anybody with me? Like, like my routine, my alarm goes off at 5. I get up. I grab my coffee and my Bible. I do my devotions. And then when I get ready, before I get ready, I, every day I make the bed. It's what I do. And then I shower, I get ready, and I go. Now, if something happens to throw off my morning routine the rest of my day is shot, right? Like if I sleep in or, or I forget to make the bed. I don't, it's just a habit. But, but if I happen to not make the bed, like everything, the rest of the morning is just, it, it seems to be sped up. I seem to worry and stress and I'm, I'm heading to work and then I, I speed and then the state patrol tries to pull me over and then that moment I panic and I go faster and then the state patrol pulls me over later and I mouth off and, and eventually Pastor Adam ends in prison. Oh. Okay, so I exaggerate a little bit. I have not been to prison. Um, I've not been to prison, prison Pastor Rob. We're good. Um, but I exaggerate, but sometimes it feels that way if you're a person of routine, right? Your routine gets thrown off, and, and my, my, the, the stuff that I just normally do just kind of throws you off. And this is what I want to talk about, these habits. Did you know about half of your waking hours are spent doing automatic behaviors? just without thinking, things that you do. You walk through life, you just happen to do them. 
Much of what you do every single day is not a result of a singular decision, but a result of a habit. Think about that phrase. Much of what you do every day is without thinking. Now that can be an awesome and amazing thing, or it can be a little bit scary. Because we all have these routines. We all do these things without thinking. There's a, a book called uh, Atomic Habits by James Clear. And he talks about how we all have these goals. But what we really need to be working on is our habits. And he says this, you don't rise to the levels of your goals, but you fall to the level of your systems or your routine. We need to interact with that level of, of our um, our personality, our, our everyday actions without thinking, we need to interact with that level to create the spiritual change, the 60 days of spiritual growth that we need to see. We need to understand that everyday without thinking activities are having an impact on your life. We need to think about that. Be- why? Why is this? Because simple answer, God created it that way. Did you know, this is interesting, Uh, did you know your brain only takes about 2% of your body mass, but 25% of the oxygen that you inhale for energy? Your brain is is constantly at work, and what habits do is it helps your brain to rest. And I read this study, and I know this is probably boring to most of you, but what they did is they hooked up a little mouse to a uh, a brainwave scanner, and and they put this little mouse, cute little mouse, um, at, at a maze, and ran it through. And the first time, all the brainwaves started to go crazy. Like, whoa, what's going on? And the more times they put this mouse through the maze and he began to learn and by habit take right, left to get to that little piece of chocolate, look what happens on the right side with the habit routine and how the brain works. See, your body wants to get to a place where it's not working as hard all the time. So you have that reserve energy when you need it. This is the way our brains work. It's that power of habit. One more book that I'll mention, and, and I'll, I won't bore you with these books, but, but The Power of Habit, I'd recommend this one by Charles Duhigg. He mentions these things called keystone habits. These are habits that affect everything else in your day. These are habits we need to focus on. A keystone is like those uh, stone archways. You have all these other archways, and the one in the middle um, affects and holds together everything else. If we can find the keystone, the spiritual keystone habits in our lives, it will affect the rest of our days positively. A keystone habit would be like a habit of exercise or running. When you, or when you make that decision in your day, it makes you want to make better decisions the rest of your day. That's just an example. Maybe you're not a runner and you say, I don't want to ever run. But there are decisions that we make, habits we need to build that will positively impact, ripple effect the rest of your day. And I want to spend a little bit of time this morning looking, about, looking at some spiritual keystone habits and how they're going to affect us. But I want you, I, I want you to know this. These idea, the idea of spiritual keystone habits is in Scripture. And let me, I want to show you. Flip to the book of Daniel if you have your Bible. We're going to read in Daniel chapter 6. Most of you have heard about Daniel. When I mention the name Daniel in the Bible, you think of Daniel in the lion's den. I mean, great story, amazing story. But it didn't start there. Daniel made decisions when he was younger to follow God 
and not waver. And those decisions impacted everything else he did in life. See, before the lion's den, Daniel was rising in power with King Darius. In fact, he was, he was getting right up there. He was one of King Darius' favorite people in the kingdom. One of his favorite leaders. Wise people he would go to. And all of the other leaders began, began to get jealous. And so much so, they decided they wanted to destroy Daniel. You've heard the story. So they decided to, to, to trick King Darius. They said, Darius, I think a really good idea would be for us to create this law that says if anybody prays to anybody else or any other God other than you, we should throw him in the lion's den. And King Darius, the kings then were full of themselves. Like, that's a great idea. I want all the glory for a while. So he stamped a decree and said, this is law. Now they made this rule because they knew Daniel would pray every single day, three times a day, without fail. They made this law directly, directly attacking Daniel. And Daniel could have panicked. He could have ran. He could have worried. They're after me. Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, says this. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem. Here it is. He prayed three times a day, underline this part, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. Those words, just as he had always done. See, Daniel in that moment could have panicked. Oh no, what am I going to do? They're after me. But this keystone habit that he created when he was younger came into play. And, and I would argue that without even thinking, Daniel went to his room and prayed. Because it's something that he did every single day, three times a day. He made that decision. And I, I believe this is one of the most powerful examples of a spiritual keystone habit that we see in Scripture. Man, I want that to be said of me. Don't you want that to be said of you? That when life gets crazy, when everybody's pushing your buttons, when you get cut off in traffic or work is insane, Adam prayed just as he had always done. And I want to get to that place in my life. When I talk about 60 days of spiritual growth, I want to use this time purposefully to create these kind of habits in my life. And I want to focus on these spiritual keystone habits. Like I said, there's about seven that I've written down that I want to focus on in the, the few messages that I'm going to uh, get to intersperse in the 60 days of spiritual growth as we go through the Beatitudes study. But today I want, to, I want to just focus on two. I want to focus on two that, again, so, so basic, but we all need. Spiritual keystone habits. Number one is this. Spiritual keystone habit of daily devotions. I told you, basic principle stuff. Basic stuff. We would argue that it's, it's your Sunday school answer. You read your Bible every day. That's what everybody says. Just read your Bible every day. I want to propose to you this, this challenge. If this is this Sunday school basic Christian answer, and I don't mean this to attack anybody, why is it so hard for us to do this? <laughs> Think about it. 
if this is a basic answer that we all tell our kids, why is it so hard for us to read the Bible every day? I'm not pointing fingers. I, I, I looked at a study um, by the Barna Institute asking this simple question over 3,000 people. They asked 18 and over, um, how often do you read the Bible? And, and, and obviously, this, it might be a little small, but, but you see on the, uh, the far side there, um, never. That's about a third of the people. Come on, that doesn't surprise us, does it? Like, we would, we'd probably write that. that. That didn't surprise me when, when I read this chart. I mean, then you get a spattering of various, various things there. And then on the far right, you see every day. They ask, how many times you read your Bible? They say every day. Here's what got me. You, you see uh, 15 and 16% um, in, in 2018 and 2019. 2020 and 2021. Pandemic. Craziness ensues. The everyday Bible reading goes down. Why is it when, when I would think we need to be going to the Bible more, does it go down? Why is it in our lives when we get busy and stressful, the first thing to go is this? Again, I'm not saying that's of BCA. We're, 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 we're different, right? Because really, honestly, it doesn't matter what 3,000 people said in a survey. What matters is how you and I answer that question. What matters is you and I. Is daily devotional time, Bible reading, a habit in your life? Is it a habit? But we need to ask this question, why? Why is this so important? Why is this a spiritual keystone habit? I want to flip over to Psalm chapter 1. One of my favorites to study, to memorize. Psalm chapter 1, 1 through 3. I love these verses. Listen as I read this. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. Delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. And when they do, they are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season, their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. I love that psalm. But it's also a great challenge. Their delight is in the law of the Lord. Their delight is to, to, to listen to God's word, to let God's word infiltrate my heart, mark my heart, stamp my heart. God, let your word shine on me that I might not sin against you. Somebody, a, a friend of mine, text, texted me this, uh, this week and said, the word of God will either keep you from sin or sin will keep you from the word of God. Like, delight in the law of the Lord is, God, give me your commands because I want to follow you. And, and you heard this analogy, but, but if we don't read this, if we don't delight in it, it's like if my wife writes me a love letter <laughs> And, and I take it and I fold it up and stick it in the drawer and go, I'll get to it when, I'm, when, I'm, when I need it later, right? It's ridiculous. Nobody does that. It's an exaggeration. But there are times in your and my life where things get crazy and we stick it in the drawer and get to it later. I, I, I want us to learn to delight in the law of the Lord. I want that to become a habit in us. And God, I want to read your word. It says, they delight in the law of the Lord. 
Then it says, when they do, they are like trees planted along the riverbank. There's a big difference between a tree near a water source and that same kind of tree with no water. It says, when we're in God's word, it's like we are getting that that life-giving water every day. And it says, as we do, they bear fruit each season. Think about that. When we delight in the law of the Lord, making it a habit, we bear fruit. See, here's what's interesting. Fruit affects, is the outward effect of what, what's happening on the inside. If a tree is unhealthy, it will not fruit. I had apple tree that did not get a lot of water, and I had two apples on it. That's my bad. I didn't water my, my, my fruit trees. But it's the example. It's showing me from the outside. It, it had all its leaves. It looked okay, but it wasn't bearing fruit. And when we bear fruit, it's an outward effect to those around us. Listen, when you are in God's word and delight in God's word, your impact and your life will affect those around you. It will affect your marriage. I promise. It will affect your family. It will affect the way that you, you, you live at work, the way that you drive when we delight in the law of the Lord. That we bear fruit. And then I love this one. And their leaves never wither. I just, I just don't want to see any of you withering. Breaks my heart. That you can get to a place in your life and you say, I got, I got nothing. When we delight in the law of the Lord, we bear fruit, trees, our leaves never wither, and we prosper in all that we do. This is just basic stuff, but so, so important. And you can call it a Sunday school answer and say, yeah, I've heard this all before. But, but listen to me. It is so important that these are one of our spiritual keystone habits. That God, I read your word. I open my Bible every day. On my way to work, I let it play on, in, in my stereo system just so I can hear your word. I read it with my family. I, I read it over and over. I, I, maybe you have the U version. And one thing, it, it alerts me of the verse of the day, so I'm getting it there too. Just do something. Maybe you've never read the Bible before in your life. Pick it up and just read a couple verses. If you've never read it before, start in the book of Mark. I just like that gospel. It's, it's great to get through. It gives you a great synopsis before you keep reading. Read a chapter. Just make it a priority. Make it a habit. That what I do is I read God's word. I plant it in my life. God, let your word shine a light to my path. God, that this would keep me from sin, from anger. Blessed are those who, are, who, who, who delight in the law of the Lord. They bear fruit, their trees never wither, their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all that they do. Reading the word, a spiritual keystone habit. How you doing in that? This is not a judgmental thing, but it's a challenge. 60 days of spiritual growth. Do something. Open up the Word of God and read. Lots of great Bible reading plans out there. And that, that's one that I, I really wanted to hit. 
and, be, and focus on. But the second one, and again, like it, similarly, a Sunday school answer. <laughs> Ready? Can blow your mind. Prayer. Spiritual keystone habit, that automatic response to whatever I face needs to be prayer. I want that to be said of me. And I know it's another Sunday school answer. And you know what? I looked at other statistics of how much Christians pray, and really, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm not even going to put it up there. Because the question is, how are you and I doing at this? How are you doing at making your first response, whether it's amazing things that are happening in your life, you are blessed. Thank you, Jesus. It's prayer. Or, man, I'm frustrated. School is just rough. My boss at work, eh. My family, ah! Is your automatic response, Jesus, help? Do, do you pray? Again, not a judgmental thing. Please hear me. Maybe all you do is prayer at dinner, rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, yay God. <laughs> and at least you're praying, right? I mean, come on. I'm giving credit for that. But the challenge is, is it our automatic response? I'm not talking about a prayer after dinner, but is it a prayer that just, you're uttering that prayer? Pray without ceasing, continually, just through the day. Jesus, thank you. Jesus, help me. I want to do something, it was kind of interesting as I did some studying on prayer. I want to look at the life and prayer life of, of Jesus. I know that that's going to set the bar pretty high because you're talking Jesus here. But that's kind of where I, I want to aim, right? <laughs> I want to look at, at, at some of Jesus' recorded prayers. Some of the times that it was just recorded of him praying. Not necessarily what he said, but just that he prayed. And I want to draw some correlations. And I just want to look, again, the book of Mark. I mentioned reading through the book of Mark. Um, I just like that book. It's put together really well. Um, the whole Bible is put together well. But I want to look through the book of Mark at instances where he recorded Jesus praying. And I want to draw some correlations. The first one's in Mark uh, chapter 1, verse 35. See, Jesus is, is, is preaching all day long. He's healing people. He's, he's uh, just out in the crowd. He's, it, Jesus uh, was sort of like, I guess, a rock star of sorts where people just would gather around him healing. Jesus, Jesus. And he just all day long, people clamoring for his attention. You know, and that's what he was here for, Right? That's what Jesus came for, to bring healing and, and show the way. But all day long, he, he was uh, uh, out and about with, with people. And of any day, that next day, you would say, that is a sleep-in day if I ever saw one. <laughs> right? We all have those. Like, it was a rough day. I'm not going to set my alarm for 5 a.m. I deserve. Right? We've been there. I, I want you to look at Mark chapter 1, verse 35. It says this. After that kind of day. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Of all the days to sleep in, I'm not saying sleeping in is bad. But I'm saying that was a good, good excuse. And what did Jesus do? He not only got up, but he took great pains to find an isolated place to talk to God. He had to put forth effort. There are times in our lives where we're going to need to put forth effort to talk to Jesus. 
It's not that he can't hear you in the busyness. But Jesus knew that God, he needed God's voice. So he got up early and found a place to pray. Let's look at another one. Mark chapter 6, verse 46. Again, this is right on the heels of a full day of preaching. Jesus was, was with the people, and, and he just fed the 5,000. This was the miracle of, of the, the loaves and fishes where he, he, he had just a few, and he multiplied it and fed 5,000. Like, that would be cool to see. Like, there's a lot of miracles. Like, it would be awesome. Like, I just want to see how that happened. I just, I just want to know the how here. Um, that Jesus was, was preaching all day long with people, and, and, he, and it says this. Again, busy day, full day, verse 45. Uh, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that the disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake to Bethsaida when he sent the people home, as he sent the people home. After telling everyone goodbye, he went up to the hills by himself to pray. After a busy day, he had every reason. You and I would say that's a great day to go home and binge watch something. <laughs> It's a great day to go and curl up and just go to bed early. Jesus sent all the people away saying goodbye. He took great pains to hike up the hill by himself to pray. It's interesting, isn't it? And one more. In Mark chapter 14, and this one, maybe you've, maybe you've read before, but it's the Garden of Gethsemane. This was Jesus' prayer time before he was about to be beat and tortured and go to the cross. His heart was heavy. He knew what he came for. And it says this in verse 32. They went to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and Jesus said, sit here while I go and pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him, and he became deeply troubled and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little further and fell to the ground and he prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass by. Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. A time when his heart is heavy, where does Jesus go? It just... That response, I, I need to go to God. I need to go to God. I think it, when, when you look at all three of these things, we see some direct correlations of what Jesus is showing us. They, they, sh they show out two things. Number one is this. It shows a clear pattern of Jesus' habit of consistent prayer. Jesus consistently spent time with God. I would say for Jesus, it was a spiritual keystone habit. It's just something he did. Now, we have to understand, he was, Jesus was God, but he was also fully man, fully human. He created this habit to go to God. And secondly, it shows us this, that each of these times that Mark records Jesus praying were all at inconvenient and tension-filled times. What is Jesus telling us? He is showing us and, and modeling us the importance of this habit. Because prayer causes us to slow down. You have to. And I don't even know how to explain it. But my day can be busy. But when I just say, Jesus, when I start to pray, it's like everything starts to slow down. That elimination of that hurry. 
because my, my timeline is now being transformed to Jesus' timeline. It slows down. And prayer also, as, God, as Jesus shows us, it ushers us into God's presence. And here's why this is important. Because it's only in his presence that we gain proper perspective. It's when I pray, and when I look at my day and all the stuff that's going on, when I pray, it gives me perspective to not feel like it's all just going to swarm me, to destroy me, to overwhelm me. I'm slowing down and going, okay, God, you got this. And my perspective shifts. This is what Jesus is showing us. This is what Jesus was able to do in the Garden of Gethsemane when when he said, God, take this from me. I don't want to do this. He was sweating drops of blood. Yet in perspective, in a moment with God, he says these words, yet not my will but yours be done. I mean, how, how important is this for us all to learn? The habit of prayer. The habit of prayer shines brightest in these tension, stress-filled times. How you doing? I know we're not all there. We've got a lot of steps to take. But it starts with the little steps. I'm going to be purposeful to pray. And, and I said it before in a message, but my phone actually sends reminders sometimes for me to pray. Like, don't forget to pray for this. Don't forget to pray for this. I look at it, I'm like, oh, yeah. And I'm, I'm using tools because I need every help I can get to build these keystone habits. <laughs> and I'll take it. I'll take any, any help I can get. How you doing? I, I, I want to give you one practical, um, practical thing you, tool you can put in your bag. For prayer, uh, and, and it's an invitation, really. Um, this Tuesday night at seven o'clock, we're doing uh, with our, all of our rooted groups. We're doing this thing called the prayer experience. It's right here at seven o'clock in this room. And here's the deal: we're going to gather and pray. <laughs> we'll have a, a little bit of corporate time praying, and then we're going to spend almost an hour of individual solo prayer. I know. As soon as I said that, some of you are like, "Whoa, I'm out." Tap. I'm not doing this to make you feel uncomfortable. We're doing this so we can challenge ourselves to pray like never before, that you can learn that you can talk to God on your own. I mean, you think about an hour of prayer, like, what am I, what do I do? I'll, I'll give direction. We're going to do some um, scriptural prayer. I'm going to give direction on, on, on how to pray with the Word of God in your journal. Like, it, really, uh, what, over and over, we did this this summer, and everybody who did this with me this summer with the, the prayer experience in our rooted group said, how was that an hour? I needed, I needed more time. I, I got through like two or three verses, and I had 40 of them. It's, it's overwhelming. It's daunting. It's difficult. But I want to invite you, even if you're not part of Rooted, come join us at 7 o'clock. We're going to be in here. We're going to pray. You're going to spend time on your own praying. And I remember talking to Tim Green, which if you don't know Tim, he's a, uh, they've been, Tim and his wife Crystal have been going to our church for a long, long time, and great, great people. Tim was with us this summer as we did our pilot for Rooted and was with us with the uh, prayer experience. And, and, and I just, we asked later, like, how'd it go? What did you think? And, and, and he was just real raw. And I had him just write down a couple of sentences of how he felt uh, about this prayer experience. And he said this, and I, and I love these words. He said, I was hesitant to do the prayer night 
because I was afraid God was going to use that time to point out everything that I was doing wrong. When in fact, it turned out to be the most intimate time I had had with God since I can't remember. I quickly realized that God is not just sitting up there waiting to condemn us, but rather wanting to be prioritized in our life and have an interactive relationship with us. He says, I can't stress how each of you need to be part of this prayer, prayer night. But, but he says these words, I, I, I quickly realized that God wanted relationship. I know there's sometimes a hindrance to prayer, is that you're afraid what God's going to reveal. Listen, yes, he does. God does, he reveals stuff. But that's not his priority. <laughs> his priority is relationship and restoring relationships. And sometimes that is getting this other stuff out of the way, dealing with it. We're going to talk about repentance as, as, as one of the, the keys. But look at me, God just wants to spend time with you. He wants to talk to you. That's why Bible reading and prayer, in my opinion, is so, so important. It's just basic stuff. I mean, I was writing this, and you know what song kept going through my head? Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. How many know what I'm talking about? In basic principles. But principles that will change your life. Just start somewhere. Students, a small step right now will change your future. Because the little things we choose right now become huge things in the future. Every adult in this room, a small step right now will change the direction of your life. Have you built the habit? Are you working on the habits? Are you being purposeful to help mold and shape that automatic response to anything that comes in life? I close with this. The other day, I was having a bad day. <laughs> How many of you ever had one of those? Everything, I mean, every text message, Every phone call, every email, I'm like, ah, I can't take another thing. Stop. And then I got a call, and I had to immediately go, go deal with something. And, and, and I just, I'm at the end of my rope. I'm like, no. I, I confess, I've gotten there. And I get in my truck, and honestly, I just wanted to go drive to Florida and just get out of here. <laughs> I'm done. But here's what I found myself doing. I got in my truck and I turned on worship music and I began to pray. Like I, I, It wasn't something I purposefully like, I need to go pray. I'm holy. It's just I sat in my truck and said, Jesus. Now I don't want to, I'm not bragging. I've not reached Daniel status where just as I've always done, but I sat in my truck and I began to pray. And in that moment, things began to slow down as I started to sing scripture, as I started to cry out to the name of Jesus. And I gained perspective. You know what? It didn't make all the problems go away. I still had to deal with them. But it changed my perspective. And I'm so thankful that many years ago I began to create these habits. Listen, if you've not created these habits, this is not a comparison game. You're free from comparison. 
all I'm saying is start something. Today, make the commitment. I'm going to pray tomorrow. I'm going to pray right now. I'm going I'm I'm to open up my Bible. I'm going I'm to read. Because Psalms is, is not just um, a, a good suggestion. And, and if, if you delight in God's word, you will grow. You'll bear fruit. It's, it's a promise. It's a promise. Spiritual keystone habits. That's the challenge. Jesus is inviting you to make a change today. Would you stand with me? That's God saying stand. The worship team is going to lead us in a song. During this song, some of our prayer team is going to come down, come and stand down front. And they want to be here to pray with you. Maybe, maybe you want to pray with them about something I said, or maybe it's just other weights and burdens you walked in with. Is there something about praying with others? During this song, they're going to come down. I want to invite you. After this song, Pastor Danny's going to dismiss us. But I want you to take this time and commit. I'm in. I'm going to read. I'm going to pray. I'm going to work on it. I'm not going to be perfect. I know that, but I'm going to every day going to get a little bit better. I'm going to create the automatic response of Bible reading and prayer, which is what I do. Bow with me. Let's pray. And then Danny's going to, Danny and the team are going to lead us in a song. Lord, help us. We confess we've fallen short in so many ways. But like Tim said, God, you're not up there trying to tell us all the bad things we've done. You're just wanting relationship, intimacy with us. God, I pray that you would help us. Help each person in this room to surrender to you. And begin to create automatic response habits of spending time with you, of going to Jesus. God, reveal yourself to us, we pray.